From the heart of the Carolinas, affirming life, liberty, and property for all, resisting false narratives. We are trained Marxists. And exposing the true dangerous agenda of radical groups. If this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. I want to start off by raising a very simple question. How many of you would embrace the way our federal government has dealt with money over the past, let's just say, 30 years? You want to narrow it down even 10 years, 5 years? Are you pleased with the decisions that have been made? Are you pleased with the trajectory of our spending and debt? Are these policies that you would embrace? We've got it all under control. Would that be your perspective? I seriously doubt it. I take you back to the discussions that took place in the run-up to the speaker election and during that several days when we were all watching to see what the outcome would be and you remember how many times i referenced the mainstream news media coverage on this and how they kept referring to these republicans these holdouts as extremists as right-wingers extreme right hard right do you remember all this Really stupid language. And I say stupid language because these folks have no contribution whatsoever to make to help us understand the issues that are at hand. This is just a contest. It's like a food fight. It's like WWE. Who's up? Who's down? And there's not a concern about what are the real issues at stake? How does this really affect you? Now, I want to say at the outset of this broadcast, I especially want to hear from you. I'd love to hear if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who agrees with the idea that we ought to continue taxing and spending, just like we have all along, that there's no need to make any course correction, because everything is fine. If you believe that, I want you to call me. Call me and make your case. You can call the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110, the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line, 71307. I want to know if there's one person who can articulate a sensible argument that we continue life as usual, business as usual in Washington, D.C. Who wants to keep doing that? This pattern of tax and spend and raise our debt ceiling. Tax spend, raise the debt ceiling. Tax spend, raise the debt ceiling. If you think this is a great plan for America, I want to hear from you. Because here we are back again, where we've been so many times. The Associated Press reporting as U.S. nears debt limit political frictions raise alarms. Before I even go into the story, this again is another example of journalistic malpractice. Because what they're talking about are the issues in front of us in terms of the political atmosphere. They're not even looking at the underlying problem. You know what the underlying problem is? What did I mention? Taxing, spending, raising the debt ceiling. The core issue is government spending. That's the core issue. So you're not going to hear a discussion about maybe we should spend less money. No, this becomes a food fight. And this becomes about personalities. Those hard right people who are risking our credit rating by not being automatic votes to raise the debt ceiling. So AP reports the countdown toward a possible U.S. government default 
Do you hear this? This is what they're trying to do, is scare the living crap out of you. A possible U.S. government default is on the offing and frictions between President Biden and House Republicans are raising alarms about whether the United States can sidestep a potential economic crisis. The Treasury Department projected the federal government on Thursday would reach its legal borrowing capacity. This is insane. Of $38.381 trillion, an artificially imposed cap that lawmakers have increased roughly 80 times since the 1960s. How many times have you gotten 80 credit limit increases? I'm just curious. Even since the 1960s. Markets so far remain calm, given the government can temporarily rely on accounting tweaks to stay open, and any threats to the economy would be several months away. Even many worried analysts assume there will be a deal. But this particular moment seems more fraught than past brushes with the debt limit because the broad differences between Biden and the new House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, who presides over a restive Republican caucus. Those differences increase the risk the government could default on its obligations for political reasons. <laughs> I want you to pause just for a second. Political reasons? Political reasons. How about people determining that as a matter of good sense, we do a hard stop on overspending? If you don't have, you know, how many times, and, and people I know who manage money best, you know what they say? If you don't have it, don't spend it. What's wrong with that? Nonetheless, AP goes on to talk about the concern about rattling financial markets, plunging the world's largest economy into a wholly preventable recession. How do you prevent a recession? Again, why don't you stop overspending? Biden and McCarthy have several months to reach agreement as the Treasury Department imposes extraordinary measures to keep the government operating until at least June. But years of intensifying partisan hostility led to a conflicting set of demands that jeopardized the ability of the lawmakers to work together on a basic duty. Biden insists on a clean increase. This is crazy. A clean increase to the debt limit so that existing financial commitments can be sustained and is refusing to even start talks with Republicans. Hmm. So I ask you, who's the extremists? Just asking. McCarthy asking for negotiations that he believes will lead to spending cuts. It's unclear how much he wants to trim and whether fellow Republicans would support any deal after a testy start to the new Congress that required 15 rounds of voting to elect McCarthy as Speaker. Asked twice on Wednesday if there was evidence House Republicans could ensure the government would avert a default, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said it's their constitutional responsibility to protect the full faith and credit of the United States. Just shut the hell up. Come on. It's the same stuff over and over, isn't it? It's so predictable. Just like the WWE. Love to get your thoughts as we continue. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. At the start of this broadcast, I asked you a very simple question. Is there anybody within the sound of my voice who believes that we need to keep going the way we are? Taxing, spending, raising the debt ceiling. Rinse, repeat. You know, I'd love to hear from somebody who thinks this is a brilliant idea. Just one person. 
this texture saying, Vince, if any business or household spent their money like the government does, they would go under. Of course. Vince, is this a comedy show? I spit out my coffee. Laughing on your opening question about the government and money. That's Milan out of Waxaw. <laughs> yep. Vince, what I don't get is those advocating for unlimited spending seem to advocate for unlimited printing of money. So why tax? Just print more, right? <laughs> you know, that seems to be the logical thing. Just print more money. Problem is, it's not our printing press. It belongs to the Federal Reserve. We don't own our own currency, in, in case you didn't know. So we're incurring debt. Vince, this taxing spending problem has been around for over 100 years since the Federal Reserve began. Milan further asked the question, why call it a ceiling? Where is the ceiling? And you know as well as I do there isn't one because they keep raising it over and over and over again. We pay taxes to support corrupt countries like Ukraine, corrupt FBI, IRS, CDC, ATF, Line politicians' pockets, corrupt social media to censor and infringe on our rights. Inside deals to China, corrupt campaigns to support lobbyists and unions. Yeah. In the upstate, this texture says just say no to raising the debt ceiling. Stop spending so much on stupid policies and the debt ceiling won't have to be increased. As someone who transports the homeless and poor... They don't care about tax, spend, and raise the debt ceiling as long as they get their money. They all vote Democrats, period. Yellen and Biden are both twisted on our economy. Just keep spending with the open checkbook. Like you said earlier this week, the Republicans. Demented fiscal policy. <laughs> Vince, the WWE is rigged? <gasps> Do you mean to tell me Roman Reigns really isn't a Samoan tribal chief? <laughs> oh my goodness incredible the government's way beyond broke time for it to stop making stupid obligations how can there be debt problems Biden has been bragging recently even how much he has reduced it he would misrepresent lie he wouldn't do that he wouldn't lie about this would he of course not Vince, let's get this straight. If you or I or anybody else spent the way the government's spending, we would get shut down faster than a bad business. Let's not forget the straw that broke the camel's back. That would be Saudi Arabia doing away with the petrodollar. Want to talk about a house of cards? Jeff, that's a great discussion to have because they're actually having conversations about that right now. Do we need this petrodollar thing? Maybe we can accept other currencies, other forms of payment other than the dollar. Boy, that could be devastating for us. Referencing Jean-Pierre's comment on constitutional responsibilities, they also have a responsibility to stop the invasion of the southern border. They aren't doing that either. Yeah. We can have all kinds of conversations about responsibility. They need to defund the government and reform because these same people keep failing. No business will be able to exist borrowing and spending. And this, I'm not surprised we're in this position. Our entire government spending situation has been a joke for decades. Yeah. Vince, you need to say in your best Forrest Gump voice. I don't have a Forrest Gump. Well, let me try it. I may not be a smart man. But I know what's in my garage. <laughs> Jim out of Easley sending that little contribution in. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. In fact, we have breaking news on this very story. We now have a new statement out of Janet Yellen. Debt limit extraordinary measures are underway. The Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, stated on Thursday, that would be today, this is just a few minutes ago, a letter was sent to Congress that the Department of the Treasury started using extraordinary measures related to the debt limit today. The debt issuance suspension period commences today and will last until June 5th. 
The Treasury will suspend additional investments of amounts credited to and redeem a portion of the investments held by the CSRDF, the Civil Retirement Retirement the Civil Service Retirement Disability Fund, as expressly authorized by law. The same action will be applied to the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund. Yellen explained both funds will be made whole once the debt limit is increased or suspended. In other words, they're stealing money out of these funds to keep the government running. Can we just say, I mean, how many of you operate businesses like this? The government, the federal government would come after you if you did this. Yellen explained both funds will be made whole once the debt limit is increased or suspended. She further said these steps will not affect federal retirees and employees. The lasting period for these measures is subject to considerable uncertainty, urging Congress to act promptly to protect the U.S. credit. Folks, again, this is very simple. Spend less money. It's really that simple. This texture in the upstate saying we're headed to bankruptcy. When this happens, the rulers get all the middle class wealth. Then there are two classes, poor and the U.S. oligarchs. Well, that sounds like a wonderful plan, doesn't it? <clears throat> wonderful plan. We have another subject that is related. Because I talked about taxing and spending. What do we do? Now, I let me just tell you what I would do. I think the first thing to do is to audit the Fed. Second thing is to repeal the Federal Reserve Act. The third thing is to get rid of the income tax altogether. And then I'm open to any number of plans, a flat tax, fair tax, something of that nature. I have to tell you I'm a little bit concerned about the story I'm about to share with you. Republicans worry a national sales tax bill would be a political gift for Democrats. So as part of his deal to become House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy reportedly promised his party's conservative hardliners, here we go again, folks, hardliners, a vote on legislation that would scrap the entire American tax code, replace it with a jumbo-sized national sales tax. The assurance got relatively little attention at the time, drowned out by the many other concessions McCarthy made to win the gavel. But with Democrats already attacking the proposal, some conservatives see it as a political headache in the making. Grover Norquist, the dean of D.C. anti-tax activists, said in an interview, this is a political gift to Biden and the Democrats. This is the first significant problem created for the Republican Party by the 20 people who thought there was no downside to the approach they took. The idea of a fair tax that would replace our current IRS code with a single sales tax was popularized on conservative talk radio in the late 90s. Kicked around Washington ever since. Popping up in the occasional presidential platform, but never received a vote. The current champion on this issue in Congress is Georgia Representative Earl Buddy Carter. He has a fair tax act that would swap out the income, payroll, estate, and corporate levies for a 30% national sales tax would also send out prebate checks to soften the blow on lower-income families, all while abolishing the Internal Revenue Service. What do you think about this idea? We'll talk more about it as we continue. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, getting your thoughts on what's going on with our debts. We, we keep playing the same game over and over again. Overspending, raising the debt ceiling. And so far, I've not heard from a single person who thinks we ought to continue this. Let's go out to a call from David in Charlotte. Good morning, David. Hey, Vince. How you doing? Mom? All right, sir. Um, our economy, as it is right now, is unsustainable. When the debt reaches a point or we can no longer pay the interest on the debt, the whole system is going to crash. Back in the 50s, after World War II, the banks got together and basically created the middle class as we know it by offering low-interest home loans. And it was a great racket because we all know, if you've ever owned a home, that the first 10 years of payments is nothing but interest. 
And since most people stay an average of seven years in the same house, you think you own it, but you don't. You're just paying outrageous interest to a bank who ends up with your house unless you sell it. If you default, they get the house plus all the money you spent. We used to spend a third of our income on our rent or uh, or our mortgage. If you make fifty thousand dollars a year, you take home about three grand a month. Well, a third of that is only a thousand dollars, and I don't know anywhere where you can live or rent for a thousand dollars a month. Nope. And most all. people don't make fifty thousand dollars a year, so people are struggling like they've never struggled before. Um. The You're fact at- that the dollar is the world's reserve currency is the only reason we've stayed afloat this long. The British yep. pound used to be, and when it flipped over to the dollar, Britain had horrible inflation. Um, Carter inherited a situation after Nixon uh, took us off the gold standard. Of course, the gold went from $30 an ounce to 200 overnight, and, of course, rampant inflation ensued, and Carter got the blame it was like musical chairs. He just happened to be president when it happened. Um, things just cannot keep going the way they are. You know, commodities are, are all purchased in dollars, but they're trying to get around it with these special drawing rights, these petrodollars. If they're ever successful in using something other than dollars, the economy will collapse and the rest of the world will follow. Yep, you're absolutely right. It's a very, very insightful call. Very much appreciates your understanding of things. The sad thing is so many Americans have no clue about this. All they're looking at is, oh, this program is in jeopardy. That program, forget about your programs. The whole thing is going to collapse if we don't get this under control. Let's go out to Dean in Fort Mill. Good morning, Dean. Morning. How are you doing, Ben? All right, sir. Yeah, I think maybe we're looking at this debt not not in a governmental way because if I owe you a debt or you owe me a debt, we have finite amounts of money, and the debt means something to me, <laughs> you owe it to me, or if I owe it to you. Mm-hmm. But the government has an infinite supply of money. Um, You're absolutely right. Uh, I think we lost that call, but I think you get the point that he's making how many of you have an infinite supply of money you can draw no matter what it's like i mentioned the 80 debt increases since the 1950s how many of you have gotten that many credit limit increases i mean it's the and the fact of the matter is this is all based on the idea the federal government has no limit to how much they can spend there's none Absolutely crazy. This texture saying Biden thinks we have an endless supply of money to spend. So do most of those politicians. And I would dare say it's not just Democrats. We've got Republicans who also believe the same thing. Which explains their behavior. One of the things I want you to be vigilant about. Before we move on from this subject. You're still welcome to comment on it. And that is this. We have to be careful. We don't have the scenario where they approve a national sales tax that is added on to the income tax. I'm telling you, folks, these people love taxes. And the ideal scenario would be that they would have both. The Democrats are probably salivating because two things. This is a twofer for them. First off, they love taxes. Second off, they would love for Democrats, the Democrats would love to watch Republicans take the heat and take the credit for a brand new tax while they skate along and enjoy the benefits. That's what could end up happening. Now, God forbid that this occurs, but I'm serious. These folks, they're waiting in the wings for just this opportunity. And speaking of the economy, it's worth talking about what is taking place in the sprawling, wonderful universe of Davos. Because we have 
an opportunity for the World Economic Forum, all the folks associated, the global elites, to tip their hand and tell us what they're really thinking. I want you to listen to probably one of the most idiotic vice presidents that we've ever had in our lives, and thank God he never became president, who had some comments about the troposphere. Now, this is during a question and answer period where Al Gore was asked his thoughts about where we stand. Um, I'm not going to share this before the break because I don't think there's enough time. I want to make sure that you are able to fully digest the insanity that you're about ready to hear. Because <laughs> I'm telling you folks, it is insane. Just as a preface to this, we've had plenty of discussions about the idea of global warming and how this has become the means by which the radical left has taken to disassembling the American system. This is what this is all about. These are folks who hate capitalism. They hate it. And if they cannot mantle capitalism ideologically, they're attacking that too, believe me. One of the ways to undermine this is in our energy sector. It is to essentially undercut the United States of America by basically handicapping our own energy supplies, our own energy use here in the United States of America. So by putting an end to the use of fossil fuels, there's no way that we continue to be the country that we are. That's right now. Now, if there are alternative sources of fuel, of energy, that we're able to use to replace what we have now, no problem at all. That's not where we are quite yet. You're going to hear from Vice President Gore and also a really good response providing some perspective on just how insane that man is. That and much more as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. And the text line is just scrolling away. <laughs> this texture saying of the radical left, they hate capitalism, but they love to spend capitalism money. They sure do. Capitalism only works if individuals, corporations, politicians are responsible with that financial system. Exactly. Vince Al Gore predicted in 2009 Global warming would end the world. Why are they still listening to this buffoon? <laughs> Go figure. So I want you to hear his comments he made about the troposphere and how we, horrible human beings, are destroying the troposphere. Listen up. It's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer down. And, and just to put the science in a slightly different context. People are familiar with that thin blue line that the uh, astronauts bring back in their pictures from space. That's the, that's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen, the troposphere, uh, and it's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. If you could drive a car straight up in the air at interstate highway speeds, you'd get to the top of that blue line in five minutes and all the greenhouse gas pollution would be below you. We're still putting 162 million tons into it 
every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had. And we need have had. And we need to make some changes. Oh, excuse me. Are we back? Oh, my goodness. Has this guy lost his mind? I mean, this is what passes for intellectualism. At Davos, the World Economic Forum. And let's make no mistake about this. The principal concern, the focus of attention, is on the United States of America. And so many of these folks who are participating in this forum, they're more dedicated to the ideas of the World Economic Forum than they are the Constitution of the United States. That's the truth. But it's a good reminder to know that this man is there. And he's saying all of these crazy things. <laughs> Al Gore must have classified documents also because he's the only person on the planet saying the sea is boiling. <laughs> he said the world would end in 2010 because of climate change. Climate change is snake oil. The data can't be proven. And when the thermometer was invented in 1709 of data from a 4.5 billion year old planet. <laughs> See, this, this is the arrogance of human beings who believe themselves to be more important than they really are. Texture in the Upstate says those stats sound made up. Vince, wow, everything Gore alleges cannot be scientifically proven. Of course it can't. You just have to sound good saying it. Vince Gore just outdid himself in buffoonery. <laughs> and this man has the arrogance to think he can change the weather or the climate. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is where we are. There's a great piece. It's very short, but I want to share it with you. And it's written for the spectator. The columnist, his name is Ross Clark. He's a lead writer and columnist who's worked for The Spectator three decades, also writes for the Daily Telegraph and other newspapers. He's out with a new book, which I look forward to reading, Net Zero, How an Irrational Target Will Impoverish You and Help China and Won't Even Save the Planet. It's coming out next month. That ought to be a great read. Because remember, folks, what did I tell you about this? This is all calculated and targeted one thing. Capitalism. They are not going to turn up the heat on China or any similar countries to change their behavior. They are the worst polluters. This is all about making you change your lifestyle, making me change my lifestyle, while the elites continue to do pretty much whatever they want. Do you really think, I mean, let's get honest here. Can you give an example of any of these elites truly sacrificing? Can you show me tangible evidence of any sacrifice they are making? Of course you can't. Because they aren't, and they never will. It's you who needs to compromise. It's you who needs to sacrifice and feel the pain that will inevitably result from the kinds of policies they want to enact. Coming up, we're going to share this piece. Also, we're going to talk about what's going on in the aviation world. Some pretty interesting stuff there. And did you know that whiteness is evil? <sighs> yeah. 
We're going to talk about that and much more. Hour number two, straight ahead. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And before we get back to this discussion we're having about the very important subject of global warming, they don't seem to be using that phrase anymore, climate change. I want to mention, for those of you who are in the northern part of our listening audience, I've just gotten an advisory, public safety alert. An inadvertent siren was sounded for McGuire Nuclear Station. No action is needed. So if you happen to have heard a siren, basically they're telling you, you can disregard. An inadvertent siren sounded. So I'm sure you are relieved if you happen to be within the sound of my voice. (laughs) Sharing the audio of Al Gore, this texter says... Vince, thank you for sharing that clip. Actually, you should be ashamed of yourself. My IQ dropped 90% having listened to that <laughs> that higgly piggly gobbly gobbly goose spewed by a dunce vice president who's been wrong about even his own shadow. Maybe somebody can point him in his private jet back to Rioville and away from the land of Moronica. Three Stooges reference. Good job there, Jeff. I mentioned there's a great piece. A great piece that is written for Spectator. The Unhinged environmental of, Environmentalism of Al Gore. He says, lucky old Americans. He only had to put up with one fruitcake as president in Donald Trump. It could have been worse. But for a few hanging chads in Florida in the 2000 presidential election, they could have ended up with Al Gore. It isn't just the hanging chads, though, that have become unhinged, but Gore himself. An extraordinary speech to the World Economic Forum in Davos, an increasing crimson Gore angrily berated the rest of the world. Credit Thunberg and other youthful activists accepted for failing to realize just how close we are to climate apocalypse. People are familiar with the thin blue line, which astronauts bring back in their pictures from space. You heard that. The part of the atmosphere which has the oxygen is only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. The writer says, actually, the troposphere is twice that thick. And there's plenty of oxygen in the much thicker stratosphere which lies above it. If there wasn't, Gore would never have made it to Davos. His jet would have plunged to the ground as its engine sputtered and died. But let's leave that aside. Gore went on to claim the carbon dioxide trapped in the atmosphere was trapping as much heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima bombs released on Earth every day. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs. What in the world is a rain bomb? Sucking the moisture out of the land, creating the droughts, melting the ice. His Hiroshima comparison seems to have come from a calculation made by the Guardian and others of the warming the oceans in a single year. The problem with Hiroshima, needless to say, wasn't so much the amount of energy as its concentration. If you want to compare the amount of solar energy which is received by the Earth every day... With the Hiroshima bomb... It's something like 500 trillion times as much. Concentrate that energy in one place. You could certainly boil Al Gore's head. But boiling oceans? Observational data has yet to produce an example of oceans being brought to boiling point by the heat from the sun. But Gore wasn't finished there. He claimed climate change was going to generate a billion refugees and result in us losing our capacity for self-government. How he came by this figure, he didn't quite explain. He went on to claim the World Bank is led by a climate denier. 
Actually, David Malpas, who holds that position, told CNN in 2019, it's clear greenhouse gas emissions are coming from man-made sources, including fossil fuels, methane, agricultural uses, and industrial uses. So we're looking and working hard to change that. Gore seems to have settled in on his view of Malpas, thanks to the latter replying, I'm not a climate scientist. When Gore personally tried to get him to agree the statements on the climate, I know from personal experience, Al Gore's tendency to call you a denier if you dare challenge anything, he says. He used the same ruse with me when I interviewed him back in 2017. The trouble is, Gore's own grip on science doesn't seem all that great. His previous apocalyptic visions have proved somewhat wide of the mark, such as predicting in 2006 the snows of Kilimanjaro would be gone by 2020. They're still there with climbers reporting glaciers the size of a house. Nor indeed does Gore's personal commitment to reducing carbon emissions seem to match his apocalyptic language. At least his hero Greta Thunberg, whom he named, he name-checked several times at Davos, practices what he preaches. As well as Gore's frequent flying, his Tennessee house revealed in 2007 to be consuming 20 times as much as the average U.S. home. If he wants to berate the world over climate change, he ought to get out a large whip and start with himself. Ouch. What did I tell you earlier? These elites are not going to change. This is not about them changing. This is not about them. See, a real leader will come along and say, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice. I think the planet's in jeopardy. So I'm going to lead the way. And I'm going to make all of these changes. I'm going to take on all these inconveniences by choice. I'm going to make sacrifices by choice. But you don't hear that, do you? This is not about changing them. It's about changing you. You know that. <laughs> Boy, some of these texts I can't even share in the air. <laughs> you folks get it. You folks definitely get it. You understand. I mentioned Ross Clark, who wrote this piece is coming out with a new book, and I suspect this is going to be some really good reading. It's called Net Zero, How an Irrational Target Will Impoverish You and Help China and Won't Even Save the Planet. It's coming out next month. This ought to be some really good reading. Because it has to be understood, this is the agenda of the radical left. This is their agenda. want to tell you about some breaking news that is just in. And this is on Alec Baldwin. He's been charged with manslaughter and the fatal shooting on the set of Rust, according to a district attorney. Charged with involuntary manslaughter and the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins, on the New, York, New Mexico set of the Western movie Rust. The film's armor, who was in charge of weapons on the set, had a Gutierrez Reed, also charged with involuntary manslaughter. According to New Mexico First Judicial District Attorney Mark Carmack Altwees, again, Alec Baldwin has now been charged with manslaughter in that fatal shooting. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can call the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800-928-1110, Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line, 71307. So uh, I want to give you a heads up. About several things. How about we begin here? Because <laughs> I know there will be some interesting reactions to this. You know, we have these discussions about what's going on with the migrants. We've talked about other cities. 
Well, that conversation actually extends to right here in Mecklenburg County. Right here. Mecklenburg County commissioners expecting a possible influx of migrants from the border when Title 42 is lifted. Did you expect this was going to happen? Did you have that concern? County Manager Dina Diorio has been meeting with community leaders to prepare Mecklenburg County for this eventuality. The county manager says we're fortunate to have a strong set of community partners who stand ready to help serve the migrant populations. Now, she actually gave a briefing to commissioners Tuesday night. Title 42 is a Trump-era policy that allows the U.S. to expel asylum seekers to prevent the spread of COVID-19. It's been used more than 2.4 million times since it was put in place. The Supreme Court's going to hear arguments in March over whether the Biden administration can actually lift this federal directive. Local governments, like here in Mecklenburg County, are preparing for a surge of migrants once it's gone. Commissioner Susan Rodriguez McDowell saying it seems we have a massive failure in our country in addressing this issue when it falls on local government to take care of people when it lands on its doorstep. Diorio is saying the county has identified critical critical gaps, including shelter capacity, long-term housing solutions, and medical care. The Latin American Coalition planning to use $2 million of COVID-19 relief funds from the county to increase its capacity to offer services to include help with housing. Jose Hernandez Perez with the Latin American Coalition saying we already have a homeless challenge in the county and making sure these families move on and are integrated into our society and our community. It's helpful for everyone. Ms. Diorio is going to meet with community groups again next week on Tuesday. But the impact, as we mentioned, it's going to be felt right here in this community. This isn't something that is far off. Are you ready for this? Let's go to Michigan and the Jackson, Michigan schools. The school board met on Tuesday, and there was a lot of heat there. It seems last month, Ms. Keisha Hamilton, a Jackson Public Schools board member, posted this quote, whiteness is so evil on social media. This did not go over well with the attendees at Tuesday's meeting. Some attendees calling for Hamilton's removal. Imagine that. This meeting actually got physical and loud. Physical and loud. So Tuesday night, some people called for Hamilton's removal. Others actually voiced their support. Calls for her resignation garnered both boos and cheers from the audience, and police intervened after one person was shoved. Michigan News Source reached out to Hamilton. She responded with a full statement, identified herself as a private citizen rather than a member of the board. In addition, she included the citation of three sources within her statement. Whiteness defined as white racialized identity which refers to the way that white people, their customs, culture, and beliefs operate as the standard by which all other groups are compared. Writers crafted whiteness, white racialized identity, as a national inheritance, a way to preserve the social construction of American life and, ironically, its democratic institutions and values. Given the extent of the nation's belief in white supremacy, one would be astonished if it had not been a guiding principle. Hamilton went on to say, whiteness, white racialized identity is a construct, a normalization with a foundation in white supremacy. (laughs) This is scary, isn't it? This is where so many people are. Ah, Recent examples of the normalization of whiteness. With the foundation of white supremacy, the murder of George Floyd, the massacre of black residents in Buffalo, the attempted kidnapping of Governor Whitmer, (laughs) 
the attack on our democracy, January 6, 2021, inconsistencies in our criminal justice system, the wage and wealth gap between white Americans and Americans of color, the lack of authentic, sufficient representation in leadership, education, employment, etc. These outcomes, actions, and behaviors are not a coincidence. There are centuries of data and thousands of peer-reviewed articles by legal and social justice scholars from America's highest academic institutions that repeatedly address these issues. These issues persist by intentional design to maintain whiteness, white racialized identity, whose foundation is white supremacy. She continued, the danger of being in the woods tweet refers to the challenges black people in the United States continue to face when attempting to establish and protect their right to freedom of movement. The United States has a long-standing history of efforts aimed at keeping black people from enjoying freedom of movement and restricting them from entering spaces that have been racialized as white. Finishing her statement by writing, there are hundreds of examples of the danger black Americans face, including the Central Park Five, Amy Cooper and the Birdwatcher, Barbecue Becky, sitting in a Starbucks, studying in a university common room, shopping, using the sidewalk, driving, attending school, swimming in a public pool, to name a few. Our concern should not be that I name these issues, but that these issues continue to persist. People pushing back against her statements on Twitter, and for good reason. Stay with us. Back on the broadcast, the text line, one of my favorite responses to this rant about alleged whiteness. If whiteness is evil, why did they vote for Biden? <laughs> Very good question. I feel she's referring to the slides about the witness. Because my family, when I lived in New York was the only white family on the block and had to fight truth and nail for everything we ever had. But that doesn't matter. We don't care about you. <laughs> Pretty amazing, isn't it? Just a sampling of some of what's on the text line. And in a related story, are you ready for this maddening story? San Francisco's Reparations Committee proposes five million dollars to each black longtime resident and total debt forgiveness isn't that wonderful san friends reparations committee also proposes supplementing lower income recipients income for 250 years now the obvious question that arises from this how are they going to pay for this this is just insane Five million dollars. All of this due to the decades of systematic repression faced by the local black community. The San Francisco African American Reparations Advisory Committee, which advises the city on developing a plan for reparations for black residents, released its draft report to address reparations, not for slavery, since California was not technically a slave state, but to address the public policies explicitly created to subjugate black people in San Francisco by upholding and expanding the intent and legacy of chattel slavery. While neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted the institution of chattel slavery, the tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systemic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial enforcement. The draft plan includes a long list of financial recommendations for black San Francisco residents, including a one-time lump sum payment of $5 million to each eligible individual. wonder how I can establish my long-time citizenship there. A lump sum payment would compensate the affected population for the decades of harms they have experienced and will redress the economic and opportunity losses black San Franciscans have endured collectively as the result of both intentional decisions and unintended harms perpetuated by city policy. To be eligible, 
The applicant must be 18 year old, years old and identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. They must also prove at least two of eight additional criteria, including choosing from a list that includes born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996, proof of residency in San Francisco for at least 13 years, and or personally or the direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. The plan also calls on the city to supplement low-income recipients' income to reflect the area median income, which is about $97,000 annually, for at least 250 years. What do you think, folks? <laughs> I mean, I you know what I think is really sad about this? The potential they're even calling people to raise expectations. This is really dangerous. Really dangerous. <laughs> this texter saying, I bet they tax at 75%. Then you're still broke. Vince, very few people ever earn a million dollars in their lifetimes. Why did they get five million? For alleged missed opportunities. How can residents of San Francisco have been oppressed for many years? Haven't they been under democratic governance for decades? Yeah. This person saying this is going to cause anger and division between those that receive and those that don't. You think? Another person saying this is enough money to cause recipients to be grateful for slavery in this country. What is a white supremacist? I'm not white. But according to Sheila Jackson, yeah, it is kind of insane, isn't it? All people that are white are white supremacists. Is that not an insult to all white people that are not supremacists and not the same as calling all black people the N-word? Or is the difference you can be white and not a supremacist if you're a Democrat? Yeah. I'm so sick and tired of black folks speaking as if racism is the biggest issue in our community. It's 2023. You would think that we still have separate water fountains and bathrooms for whites and blacks, or the Klan is still burning crosses in our yards. Yet we have black men and women murdered every darn day by other blacks. Nobody in our community wants to put that out of the forefront. Of course not. It's easier to put out a narrative of us versus them. That's how you secure power and make money. This is how it works. It is really sad, isn't it? But there are people who are very glad to stoke these fires of racial animus. And you can be sure that that's exactly what's going to happen here. By the way, these folks out in San Francisco, they're determined this is not just going to be some report, some call, some document that's going to collect dust on a shelf. They're determined. They want to see actual reparations take place. By the way, this isn't just a local issue. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, 52 House Democrats, proposed legislation last week seeking reparations and a national apology for slavery. So, this is an issue that's not going to go away anytime soon. Again, there's power to be attained and there's money to be made. That is how this thing works. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Still ahead, we have a look at the day in history. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Final stretch of Vince Coakley radio program on this Thursday. This texture says, Vince, I missed your show, but I'll catch you on the podcast. 
Hope you have a beautiful day. That's from Gigi. Thought that would be a great way to remind you, if you happen to miss this broadcast live, you can listen to the podcast. They are available after the show. Did not get to get into the aviation story. I've been wanting to get into the story all week. But we will have to save that for another day. This time just zips by so, so quickly. Right now, we take a look at the day in history. Joining us now, uh, fresh out of retirement, just for the day, maybe longer, George. How are you doing today, George? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Also, Bernie along for the ride. How are you, Bernie? Vince Coakley. I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Doing pretty good. We have a total of six questions. Not really a contest here, unless you want to make it one. But in 1825, we begin with this one. A couple of New York City guys got a patent for this. This is um, something often used to contain vegetables like peas or carrots. What are they normally in? I'm going to say it's tin can. A tin can is absolutely right. The patent for the tin can in 1825. Wow, George. Thanks a lot. Didn't I just answer that one? <laughs> I would have gotten it wrong. That's okay. I did not realize the tin can had been around that long. That's pretty yeah. I've been, I've been I, well. I've been around that long. So. Yeah. Right. It's too silly. 1861 is the year this peach state seceded from the union. Georgia. Ooh, Georgia is correct. 1937. This guy who is really big into aviation. Also, ultimately a millionaire. He flew from Los Angeles to New York City in 7 hours, 22 minutes. Who was this wealthy mogul who uh, I'll did guess this Charles Lindbergh? Oh, no, not him. Think I have of no another idea, Vince. rich guy, Howard Hughes. Remember oh, him? Oh, I forgot about him. Howard Hughes, yeah. Ended up having his own airline later, as a matter of fact. 1952. Um... Big step in the PGA, they um, opened up the doors a little bit wider. As a result, we have someone like Tiger Woods who is able to play. What did they start to do in 1952? They start to allow African Americans to play golf? You are correct. All right. The inclusion of black golfers, 1952 is when that happened. 1993, this group... Reunited to play at Bill Clinton's inaugural ball. In fact, I think this was one of their, the campaign's favorite songs was performed by this group. Was it Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow? I think that was one of the theme songs. What was the group that reunited to play for the inaugural ball for Bill Clinton? Mm, You got me on this one, Vince. I got nothing. Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Fleetwood Mac. Last but not least, a comical one. This guy screamed and ended his presidential dream. 2004 was the year. Who was this guy who told, who sounded totally unhinged and off his rocker? And his campaign just went down the toilet. Oh. Um, you can see his face now. And oh, I'll bet you can hear his voice. Oh. It's... Howard Dean. Howard Dean. Yeah. Him? Yeah. <laughs> you did that well. That Thank was excellent. Yeah. I've seen Chappelle's show one too many times when he reenacted that skit. It's, oh, uh, my It's hilarious gosh. if I'll you haven't seen it I'll bet that's a riot. Yeah, yeah. I, need, I need to look that up. Yeah, Dave Chappelle, Howard Dean. Look that up. It's pretty funny. So what do you do if you're a burglar in our final story of the day? And you're not able to handle all the things that you're trying to get out of the house. We'll get a lot of this story. Out of Florida. Two people arrested out of one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home they were burglarizing. Deputies responded to this house after a 911 call was made. Nobody spoke. At the home, the deputies concluded nobody lived there, but they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering through an unlocked door. Deputies have been searching for the male suspect or for identifying him from security video as a burglar at a Dollar General where several items were stolen earlier in the day. While talking to deputies, the female suspect told them she called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house they were burglarizing. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport so they could spend the weekend in New York. 
Well, deputies did help them with their belongings and gave them a ride. But it wasn't to the airport. The sheriff's office says it was to the Polk Pokey. <laughs> they were welcome to stay there all weekend long. The Polk Pokey is much better than New York anyway. By the way, the male suspect charged with burglary and theft related to the store. Also, burglary of a residence. The female suspect charged with burglary of a residence, according to the sheriff's office. How dumb can you possibly be? They might have gotten away with their crime if only this woman didn't call 911 for help moving the merchandise. Well, isn't the very definition of a criminal? <laughs> uh, tell me about it. <laughs> Not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, for sure. Absolutely not. Well, thank you, folks, for joining us. Good to have you back just for a day, George, and you're welcome back anytime. Bernie, we'll torture you again tomorrow. Everybody else, thanks a lot for the broadcast today. Joining us, God bless you. Adios. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.